Hello, and welcome to the 29th episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingmer, and I'm your host. Today I have with me Susan Robertson, a freelance front-end developer focusing on CSS style guides, CSS audits, uh, and so much more. She has worked with some amazing people, including the team behind Edit formerly behind Editorially, and the team at 53, and so many others. Uh, welcome, Susan. And for the people who don't know who you are, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Ruben. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, I've been freelancing since Editorially shut down in March. Um, well, since I wasn't working on edit- Editorially anymore in March. Um, and prior to that, I worked with them, and I've worked with a lot of consulting companies, and I focus mostly on large-scale CSS, CSS architecture, that type of stuff. And I live in Portland, Oregon. So That's awesome. So what is your first memory of the web? So since I listened to your show, I knew this was coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a little cheating, but I, but I appreciate the listening, but it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was trying to think about this, and I honestly don't remember my first interaction with a web page, but I do remember um, when I was in college, I remember moving from registering via phone to registering via the internet and getting my first email address. And um, using that, to I was dating someone long distance, and it was just so crazy that we could use email to communicate rather than always having to be on the phone. Uh, so that's kind of my first recollection I think of using the internet a lot but I don't have a good recollection of when I first surfed the web all right well Awful. what was your what was your first email address uh it was my University of Minnesota oh uh, okay some okay. crazy yeah and then I, I got a hotmail address after that one nice. uh, which I actually still kind of have because there's people from my past that probably have it uh, <laughs> but it, it just forwards to a different address but oh, okay uh, yeah, no, I think so. like with uh, with some people like when they first got their screen names and stuff, the the history is just so funny. Some people's screen names were hilarious back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how did you sort of get your start in design and on the web in particular? So, um, just about ten years ago now, I was I was getting married um, and I took a a new job in the um, in the nonprofit sector kind of thinking I would work in that sector and I had probably what was the worst boss of my entire life um, and I, I got married and my husband had a steady, steady job and he was like wow you are really unhappy I, I mean coming home crying type of boss um, and so he he gave me the freedom to say just okay quit your job so I quit that job and I took a couple of weeks to really think about what I wanted to do. Um, I, my original degree is in, in art, uh, drawing and painting. And so I, I did this book called Do What You Are, and it kind of uses Myers-Briggs. And based on my letters, it gave me a bunch of ideas for what to do. And I went and talked to somebody at a community college about their web design program, thinking that I would completely want to be a designer um, because of my art background. But when I got there and I took the first semester of coursework, um, I had an HTML course, and I actually enjoyed the code way more than Photoshop. So I moved towards code um, starting then. Awesome. So I know we talked on Twitter, and you said you went yeah. to you went to school for you know web development and stuff. Yeah. Um, but there was this period where like you didn't feel like you were learning enough, and you went home and taught yourself CSS in like a week or something. It was like this yeah. crazy thing. Can you tell me a little bit about it? 
So my first semester of, these, of the coursework, I took HTML, and, um, and the guy teaching the HTML class taught us table-based layout. So this was like the fall of 2005. And he basically said you should only use CSS for like styling fonts and things like that. <laughs> and I know. And there were some of us in the class who were like, this sounds kind of crazy because this CSS thing seems to be talked about quite a bit. And, you know, we were, I was discovering a list apart and all these types of things online to read. And I was like, I think he's wrong. And so uh, at, over the Christmas break, basically, I got a book um, and I just started reading and I taught myself how to do CSS layout. And so when I came back after Christmas, all my future projects, I refused to follow what he said, and I just did everything via CSS layouts. Um, so yeah, it was it just came to me pretty easily, and I liked it, so I, I ran with it right from then. That's awesome. So yeah. how did you sort of build the so like that was the first your first foray into yeah. CSS? How did you sort of build your confidence? Uh, to build your first thing and like to keep pushing forward like obviously we all hit roadblocks like how did you push right. through those yeah I guess I just used Google a lot and I mean since I was in school still that spring I had a lot of people to bounce things off of and to talk to and I mean if I were to look at the things I built then now I would be probably embarrassed but <laughs> <laughs> as is true with anything because that was you know nine years ago but um, but yeah I just kind of I, I just kind of ran with it, and when we we moved to Portland when I finished school, and that's when I got my first job coding, um, and I was lucky to have a boss in that job that really just kind of gave me confidence and and helped me instead of making me feel like I didn't know what I was doing. So um, even though it was it was a job coding HTML email, which which isn't fun at all, and you don't use a lot of CSS, no, but it got me not- comfortable in a coding environment. It is not Sorry. fun. That's how no. I. That's actually how I started too. It yeah. was. It was just like, oh, we need these emails coded. I can code. I'll do it. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, I know it was nine years ago, and the resources yeah. for learning have changed dramatically yes. in these past years. But what types of resources did you use to learn on your own? And are there any that you would still recommend? Not necessarily the exact resource, but like right. types of resources that you might recommend that people starting out to use. Yeah, I'm a I'm a book person. Um, so I really heavily used books in the beginning. I read, you know, like Andy Clark's um, books on CSS and Eric Meyer and Zeldman's book. And I'm a big book person. So, and I still to this day read a lot of books. Um, I've read all the Book Apart books, and um, I'm going through a new JavaScript book right now, trying to get better at that. So I'm going I'm, through one as well. Yeah, so I'm I'm a book person. Um, but the other resources that I like right now online are um, I really like CodePen and being able to dig around in people's pens. I don't create a lot on CodePen, um, but when I'm looking for stuff, I find that that's a good source of inspiration, and so I, I enjoy that. And I've I've dabbled in trying to learn how to back, actually do backend programming, and uh, so I've actually dabbled in some MOOCs, some big online courses, and just kind of seeing how it goes. Yeah. And and I think those are those are working for me kind of okay, but um, I think it's crazy that you can like take an MIT course, you know, on your own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like intro to computer science, basically, and learn Python. But uh, you know, but I. I kind of like some of that stuff too, and I've investigated it. But I, I, I almost always go back to books. Nice. So, so I, so I think a lot of people uh, who are starting out sort of don't 
you know, when you're in school, you're kind of told how to learn. You know, go to class, take notes, read the read right. the assignment, do homework. How did you sort of figure out your learning style? And this is a question that I, you know, I ask everybody who's like self-taught. Like, how did you figure out like books were your route? Like, I know nine years ago there weren't as many web resources, right. but like, what 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 drove you that way? Um, yeah, I think I think I I. I have a, I actually have a lot of a liberal arts educational background, so reading's kind of not a big deal to me, and I read pretty quickly, so that's part of why I really like books, um, and I can kind of play around with the code samples, and I can see what's going on, and I can have the book for reference later, um, which sometimes when you use online stuff, you kind of lose track of it, and where, where it is, or things like that, so... So I think it's partially my just my own educational background that that drives me towards books. Um, also, in the last year, I've gotten into writing a lot, so I like to read people's writing. So that kind of is one of the reasons why I think I'm still a book person. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I guess that's what I'd say is it's just more that's just not hard for me. Reading's a breeze, and I read quickly. So. So over the past nine years, you've built a bunch of things. You've worked on a bunch of big projects. What what has kept you motivated? You know, obviously the industry changes. Like you were talking about, you were learning table-based layouts, and you knew immediately that this can't be it, and things change so quickly uh, in our industry. What keeps you motivated to keep learning new things and to sort of keep building your skills? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it comes from um, not... Under Like, a lot of the jobs I've had, a lot of the full-time jobs I've had, I haven't felt like I was with my tribe, so to speak. Like, I was battling continually to get people to care about progressive enhancement or um, accessibility or the things I really care about. And so I get motivated um, by my community that's not necessarily always connected with my job. And now I work, you know, alone at home all day. So... Um, I think my community is pretty much my biggest motivator. Folks on Twitter, having worked with people like Jason Santa Maria, I mean, I try to pick projects now that are going to get me working with groups of people that are going to push me. And if I'm pushed by other people, that that motivates me to want to meet the bar that they're setting for me. So um, that's kind of been my, my biggest thing is... Um, working with good people and when I can't work with them trying to find my tribe in other ways to kind of have encouragement around me through a community. That's awesome. So what would you tell someone uh, sort of starting out to keep them motivated? Like at the beginning, like finding those tribes are probably a little more, is probably a little more difficult. Like what would you, what would you tell that, you know, like that person who's just setting out to like sort of figure out the HTML, CSS world, like where they, you know, how do they stay motivated? Yeah, I so I just actually met with somebody here in Portland who's just starting out and who wanted to get advice. And I recommended local meetups if you're in a town that has uh, that kind of vibrant community that has a lot of meetups. I mean, I could be out every night in Portland at a meetup because there's just a lot going on here. Um, Same here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty insane, actually. But uh, so... So I, if, you're, if you're in a place where you can get to um, actual local meetups, I think that's a really great place to go because um, most of the meetups that I've gone to have a wide range of people at a wide range of skills. And people are there to, if they're going out to a meetup, they're usually there because they want to meet and talk with other people. And the people that are more senior are so generous with, with their time and their advice and helping you out and things like that. 
So that's kind of one of the big things. And if you can't get to, like if you live in a small town or something, your meetups just aren't something that's available to you. Um, then I think it's really important to try to find that online in some way. Like if you're into IRC, there's a lot of IRC chat rooms that you can try to find people in. Or if you are learning through a tool like Treehouse, um, they have a great forum and things like that. So um, I would look for things where other people are learning and there are people that will help you out too. Awesome. So over the past couple of years, what type of roadblocks have sort of sprung up and how have you overcome them? in you know some projects you know if you have any examples yeah um i think my biggest uh roadblocks has just been the proliferation of devices um i'm really into responsive work and working mobile first and being able to test and get access to devices has been has always been challenging um thankfully uh, we have a mobile Portland group that now has an open device lab with three, over 30 devices. So you can book time in and go and test for free. Um, but I think my biggest challenge is always making sure that I'm testing stuff on enough devices and that I'm thinking about the devices that that don't work as well. You know, not the iPhone. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the, you know, like older Androids. Yeah, so like the 40 like, different Androids that you have to yeah. test on. <laughs> yeah, I think really... <laughs> It's really easy, especially when you work with a lot of the people you're working with are all using Apple or you're working in a startup situation where everybody's using Apple. It's really easy to forget about all the other devices out there. So that's probably the biggest challenge for me right now. That's so true. I think we I think we as a community kind of get sucked into our own bubble and we're like, oh, this works fine everywhere. And then you open it on, you know, your mom calls you and is like, oh, I open this on a PC with my internet explorer and your website doesn't work at all and i'm like what do you mean it doesn't work at all yeah um yeah so uh what's the you know you've worked on some crazy things editorially for one stuff with 53 which is also i mean an amazing company what's uh what's excuse me what's the favorite thing like if you had to pick one um if i had to pick one from like my entire like past nine years it's by far editorially um i think it's not just uh it's not just like the things people think about um like the team and and all the people but it was i really grew to love the application itself and it helped me to become more of a writer and um editorially also just working with that group of people opened up a lot of doors to me and um i've met so many great people through them and it was it was a really fantastic team it was actually very difficult the month of march because we our slack room was kind of quietly fading away and everyone was going their separate ways and and uh I just, I've missed hanging out with them, but I also really miss the application. I really enjoyed working on it and I really enjoyed using it myself. So that's by far the best thing I've ever worked on. Fantastic. So for someone uh, who is just getting their start, uh, where do you recommend, where do you sort of, where do you recommend they get their start? You know, there's so many things I think in the web it's like do you want to be a back-end developer do you want to be a front-end html css javascript ruby php etc etc the list goes on um where do you sort of how does somebody navigate those waters where do you recommend they go well i think it's i think it's really good for everyone to have a basic understanding of html even if you don't want to go into front end um and you're not going to be the person in charge of writing the markup i think just understanding how a web page functions is pretty important so i i 
I would say everyone should should know the basics of HTML. But the rest of it, I think, just depends on what you want to do. I mean, are you interested in kind of doing the back end work? Or are you more interested in the front end server side, you know, the front end client side work? And, and then based on what you're interested in, um, you just need to kind of, when you're starting out, you're not really sure the differences between Ruby and Python. <laughs> so you just have to kind of pick <laughs> and go with one. And my personal opinion is once you know how to, like I've worked with a lot of great developers and once you, most of them, if they know the concepts of, of um, computer science and the concepts of programming, once they know those concepts really well, they can, they can pick up another language and it's not as hard. I mean, things are done differently and written differently and that kind of thing a little bit. But once you understand how a for loop works, you kind of understand it. Um, so I think for back-end people, you just have to kind of pick. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but I think if you're interested in the front end, then I always tell people to start with HTML straight CSS. Um, I would not recommend going into a preprocessor until you actually understand CSS. And then on top of that, the preprocessor and then move to JavaScript. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people would go that route. And uh, right now there are just so many tools. It's like, oh, should I jump into yeah. less, you know, SAS, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So I know you've written uh, a bit about uh, front end style guides. Yep. Um, and it's sort of like a little bit almost like your baby. Uh, a yeah, little... I, yeah, I've done one talk and I'm actually doing another talk this fall at a, at a bigger conference. So. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. why don't you sort of you know, give us a little bit of a rundown of what a CSS style guide might look like. Sure. So essentially your style guide is going to be all the pieces of your application, how they look and feel. So, you know, all your headings, all your, your text um, and type styles, uh, your layout styles so that people can see how your grid works if you're using a grid, um, your form styles for any forms that you might have on your site, any little blocks that you use over and over again to maybe call out special things or if you have right rail um, kind of, you know, like your sidebars are designed and styled a special way, you would represent all that in your style guide. So it's essentially a, it's a one-stop shop basically for somebody who wants to see all the ways that your application is using styles and all the various things that you use to put together to make your application or your site. Um, and it should be available to anyone who has anything to do with the building of that application or site. So back-end developers, front-end developers, producers, project managers, and designers. I mean, I, so I re I've done a little bit of reading about this, uh, you know, recently. Um, and I think that it's a fantastic tool. And I also think that for somebody starting out and looking, I think everybody's always looking mm -hmm. for portfolio pieces. And mm -hmm. I think that if you're building your own site, you yeah. should be building it with a style guide because I think clients and potential employers would think it's a would think it's like an ingenious way. Like, oh, they built their own site. They're also showing me their style guide, like how they yep. want to, you know, grow their site and use it. And I think it's I think it's a an invaluable tool. Um, so in the last couple of minutes that we have going here, uh, this is a question that I'm sure you also were expecting that a lot <laughs> of people are caught off guard. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it at you, even though you probably have this perfectly poised, planned answer. Um, if you could go back to yourself ten years ago when you were first starting it when you were first starting out at the very beginning, what would you tell yourself? So if if I had to do that, I would tell myself patience and do the work. Um, I see a lot of people who just really want to 
be somewhere else than where they're at, either in their coding ability or their job or whatever it has to, whatever it may be. Um, and it takes time. Like, I mean, I picked up CSS in a couple weeks, but I didn't feel really confident or good at it till I'd been doing it for two or three years or more. And sometimes I even have those moments of wondering what the hell am I doing? I don't know, um, kind of things. But um, and then the, the second part of that is do the work, like just do good work, show up on time, deliver on time, that kind of stuff, and and you'll get where you want to go eventually. But it, it's not gonna, it's not really an overnight process. Um, so. Yeah, I actually just wrote a blog post about it today. <laughs> but I'll, yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes for sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's I think I think when when you're young you want to be recognized and well known or whatever it may be that you're looking for right away and I think that takes time. Um and it it it'll happen eventually, but you should just give yourself time. So you you, uh, you said in that answer that you still feel sometimes as if, like, you don't know what you're doing. Um, and I think, I mean, it's very honest. I think a lot of people have that feeling. For somebody who's new and, like, a year into it or two years into it, how do you sort of know, like, when you've reached a point where, like, yes, you're still new at it and there's still plenty for you to learn? Because I think there's always plenty for people to learn, especially in right. what we do. but. Yep what's that threshold like how do you know i mean i mean i've experienced this like i've i still wonder am i like really at that threshold have i you know have i learned enough you know it's it's crazy to think that somebody in the business for 10 years or i've talked to people that have been in the business for 20 years and they're like yeah i still think about that so like how do you how do you manage that sort of imposter syndrome type thing yeah i think well my threshold were when i felt when i started feeling like i kind of knew what i was doing was when i could take a Photoshop file and not like completely freak out about how I was going to code it. (laughs) You know, like I, you know, there would be bits and pieces where I'd be like, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with that. But like the general layout and like, I knew I could get that working, you know, without the, you know, maybe some of the frosting on top that the designer had done wouldn't be right away, but the actual page would come together fairly easily. Um, so that was my threshold. Um, and of course, then preprocessors came on the scene and like kind of threw that out the window because now everybody's doing their grids through SAS mixins and whatnot. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still not really doing that because I feel so much more comfortable pounding down a grid in straight CSS. But um, so that that was kind of my my threshold. Um, and then how how I get past those moments because yeah, they still happen all the time. Is I just take a deep breath and Google, (laughs) to be honest, you know, or if I'm on a team where I can ask questions, I ask questions. Um, But, you know, one of the, one of the team members for editorially worked for Apple and he like worked on things that were involved in doing the spec for animations and transitions and transforms and all that kind of stuff. And so when we were doing some work with those, I felt completely inadequate. <laughs> and he was totally awesome about explaining to me how all this stuff worked and you know, but I just was like, well, he worked there. Like he knows what's going on, you know, but um I think it's you just have to kind of ask for help if you can and google away if that's what it takes. Um but yeah, Everybody has a different threshold about when they're going to feel comfortable, but but you'll get there at nice. some point. Um, you mentioned something just now, and I think it's I want to highlight it because I think it's important for people to understand that people who are experienced in this industry are, and you've said it, you said it earlier too, are so willing to yep. help out 
the new people that it could be scary to go up to that person at that meetup and ask them a question or whatever, but do it because they are more than happy, willing, ready, and able to, you know, share their knowledge and help you get ahead, you know, even just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's completely been my experience. I mean, I, as, as I've met more people that I've like been reading their articles and their blog and whatnot for years and years, they are super humble. They are, they really want to be available. They'll answer questions. Like I've, I've, uh, gone to a lot of conferences too and I I just have learned that you know that you just have to be willing to kind of broach the conversation with someone but they're they're super personable once you do um if, so, I, if yeah. I've learned if I've learned anything from the podcast it's that people are like <laughs> ready willing and able like I've spoken yeah. to some amazing people that the only reason that I feel like they want to talk to me is because they're on my podcast and I'm like it's not really that big of a deal but they yeah. love it and they're like so willing to talk to me and I'm so yeah. appreciative so in the last couple of minutes yeah. uh what does the future hold for you I know editorial is you know is wrapped and yeah what are you yeah. moving on to um, I'm just freelancing right now. Like you said, I've been, I'm actually um, still working with 53. I'm on my like third or fourth project with them. Um, it's been going really well and I've really enjoyed the team and um, they, they have enjoyed working with me. So I feel fortunate. Um, and yeah, I've just, I'm just going to keep the freelancing thing going. And like I said, I'm speaking at Smashing Conference in Whistler in December. So that'll be kind of my first more than a local meetup talk. Um, so I'm a little nervous, but also pretty excited. I'm sure and, you'll knock them dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm just kind of doing more of the same. Um, so Awesome. And the last question that I ask literally everyone is where can my listeners find you on the internet, Twitter, website, etc. anything you want to plug? That's fine. Too. Yeah. Um, so I'm Susan J. Robertson on Twitter. My website is Susan Jean Robertson. And why I did not go consistently with that, I cannot tell you now. Um, but I'm not consistent. So pretty much anywhere, GitHub <laughs> or any of the other services, I'm either Susan J. Robertson or Susan Jean Robertson. So you just have to look for one or the other. Um, and I don't really have anything to plug. You know, I'm just kind of working away. And if if people have questions or whatever, there's an email uh, link on my website and people can feel free to contact me. Awesome. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. The conversation's been great. Thank uh, you. I'm going to link to a bunch of the stuff we talked about, including yeah. Susan's latest article on her blog and her Twitter, et cetera, at the show notes at www.howtoholdapencil.com. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Hold a Pencil, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ruben Ingber. That's R-E-U-B-E-N-I-N-G-B-E-R. And I will thanks again to my guest, Susan, and I will speak to you all next week.